Uh, yeah. Phone ringing for the work. They waiting on me like the 15 and the first. I'm killing competition, put them bitches in the hearse. Been diagnosed with a sick flow, where the nurse. Yeah, do it for the city, but the hood getting turned. With the money going around like an offer in the church. Shit, this shit was a race, promise I'ma finish first. Taking shots from my spot, got me leaning like I'm Dirk in the playoff. Bitch, I want that Mark Cuban payoff. Fly as a G6, waiting for the takeoff. Hustle like there's only six seconds on the play clock. We are officially one week off of the most heated episode I've ever done on the podcast. This is the Bubble Let's Sports Podcast, if you didn't know already. I'm your host, Bubble Let's. I needed a week off, people. That that was my whole plan the entire time. No, I wasn't lazy and just missed doing episodes. No, that is not, that is exactly what happened. Um... So it's been a week since we've done the roast of the Dallas Cowboys coming off their loss against the Minnesota Vikings. And here we are a week later talking about the Cowboys versus Lions review episode 83 of the podcast. I guarantee you we are doing more than one episode this week. If I don't, whoever's listening, if you're in the vicinity of me, where you have the ability to slap me, please do, if I don't do more than one episode this week. This is one of many this week. Maybe one of two that we're going to put out tonight. Uh, hey, I'm not promising anything. I feel I feel the grind coming, though. I guarantee you we're putting out more than one episode. So let's get it started with the first one of the week. Cowboys versus Lions. Look, man, I, I've went through everything that I could have with the Dallas Cowboys last week. What is going good? was going wrong and what what needs to change and we all know what needs to change it's the fact that the coach has been there for 10 years too long at most five years too long i've been asking for this i've changed my header username on twitter bubble underscore lutz to hashtag fire jason garrett i'm serious I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not 40. But, people, we all know the problem. We all know the elephant in the room. And there's nothing being done about it. I am here for change. I am here to make your lives better as a Cowboys fan. And I'm here to make the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champion. Bubba 2020. I am calling for it. So here we are. First week off of the campaign starting. Of hashtag fire Jason Garrett and Bubba 2020. Cowboys versus Lions. Coming into the game, injuries did not favor the Lions whatsoever. Yes, they had it across the field on both sides of the ball. Offense, defense, their front seven was impacted heavily because of this. Most importantly though, Matthew Stafford out for the second week in a row due to his back injury, which the severity of it, the severity of it, is really kind of up for grabs at this point. I mean, we're talking months of a possible, you know, downtime for for Matthew Stafford. So Jeff Driscoll gets the start for the second week in a row. And you're saying, oh, easy game for the Cowboys at this point. Backup quarterback for Detroit Lions, even though it's at home. The Cowboys are coming off a huge loss against the Minnesota Vikings. It's got to be a blowout. Now, I will put it out there. I think the Lions are a great football team, and that record of what is now 3-6-1 does not 
does not represent what that team is. I love what Matt Patricia is doing. It is going to take a couple of more years for that to really be completed. Yet, what I've seen from year one to year two in their defense, which is a defensive-minded team, yes, you're starting to have more of the conversation of what is life after Matthew Stafford, especially all the injuries that he's done or he's dealt with for his career, and one of them is the back injury. So right now, you're thinking a future past Matthew Stafford, whether or not they should go for a quarterback uh, in the draft or in free agency. Because really, in the last few years, the, the one thing that's been keeping them back is the fact that, yes, they have a good defense that can create turnovers. They have Matthew Stafford. They just can't run the ball. Well, now it's kind of the opposite way of like, they have a solid running game. And, and to me, I know it really didn't show much in the later part of this game against the Cowboys. Early on, though, I saw plenty of talent in the backfield for the Detroit Lions. So it's not about the running game anymore. It's about the severity of, of the health issues for Matthew Stafford. And not, not the best talent in the world across the depth chart. But solid guys that, that kind of match what, what Matt Patricia had in New England. And now it's just his version of it. It's like a 2.0. Or in this case, right now, it's the Walmart version uh, of the Gucci version in New England. So I was coming into this game thinking, wow, th this is going to be a good football game, a great matchup for the Cowboys. It's always a great game against the Detroit Lions. So I didn't think anything of Driscoll being the backup quarterback and not playing well in this game because really, you know my issues with the Dallas Cowboys at this point. I don't trust them. I don't believe they're a great football team without, without uh, or with Jason Garrett at the helm. So anything is a good game or a close game for the Dallas Cowboys at this point. For the Cowboys side, they did have a couple injuries. Uh, Connor Williams is probably the biggest one out of all of them. Uh, left guard for them. Got injured last week against Minnesota. Was going to be out for this game. And... When we're going to talk about this game, it really wasn't a, a huge factor. So, really, Connor Williams, anyone you replace at the left guard position, it's not a, a huge deal like it is for the edge for, for Tyron Smith or for Lyle Collins. Lucky for the Cowboys, they don't have to deal with that. And Jeff Heath, you know how I feel about Jeff Heath. He was out for this game uh, dealing with multiple injuries, including one to his shoulder. A healthy scratch, he, he looked good to go, but I think they wanted to see what they have at the safety position with Darian Thompson, with Xavier Woods, and you did see Donovan, uh, Donovan Wilson come out later in this game. So as we go into the first quarter, the Cowboys' first drive, having the ball first. Aggressive on the first play, and I, I liked it. With a throw to Amari Cooper, who was matched up with Darius Slay, the best corner that Detroit has. And to go to that matchup after Cooper coming off possibly his best game ever as a Cowboy, and Dak Prescott coming off one of the best games of his career with the Cowboys, I think it was a smart move for Kellen Moore to, to set the standards, set the, 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 the game plan, and say, we're not going to be scared of throwing the ball against Darius Slay. It was an incomplete pass. It's, it's plays like that, though, people, is that I'm okay with you going to that. I'm okay with you going for it. You know, deep, aggressive, it doesn't matter. Anything's better than running it on first down with Zeke up the middle, where it's super predictable. I mean, super predictable. So anything is better than that. It didn't go in their favor, but hey, we'll take it on the chin as a Cowboys fan, and I'll say, I like what I see.
Second play, Zeke fumbles the ball, and the Lions recover. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't happen a lot. It's very rare for Zeke to fumble the ball. It gave the Lions great field position. So once again, take it on the chin. And as the commentators start to mention slow starts, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to kill myself. That, that type of emotion really runs through your head as a Cowboys fan. Nothing's new, people. All right. As the Lions get their first possession on offense, I'm, I'm appreciating them. I, I, I'm a positive Lions fan, to be honest. Uh, they did a great job of making quick passes for Driscoll to get comfy in the pocket. Nothing too serious as far as checkdowns or, or out routes. He did a great job of just managing the ball game and getting himself comfortable in the pocket. Gave himself some some time to throw. He did have some time to throw, even though there wasn't much blitzing going on for the Cowboys. It's kind of hit or miss with them. The, the gentleman that gets all the credit in this first drive is Bo Scarborough. Former Cowboy scores his first touchdown in his NFL career in his first start with the Lions. Now, you may remember Bo as a draft pick by the Dallas Cowboys just a year ago. Drafted him in the seventh round. And I praised him. I, when we were doing that, I don't know if any of you guys were here for the review on, on the Cowboys draft class in 2018, over a year ago. And I was going through all these different picks. You know, we went through Lane Vanderish. We went through like Mike White, who <laughs> that didn't work out. And then there was Bo in the seventh round. And I said, wow. I mean, kind of like a LeGarrette Le Blunt type of player, Derrick Henry type of player out of Alabama would go great with with Zeke as far as Zeke being a dynamic back who can be a powerhouse or an agile running back. Imagine adding a guy like Bo in the second tier of that that can just basically pound through the lines of the defense, through the waves of defense, and get those dirty third and ones, those fourth and ones with ease. And in reality, it didn't work out for the Cowboys. I don't think they used him like they should have because he's really a primary powerhouse downhill runner. And they just didn't need that at that point. They thought Zeke was just going to be the answer to everything with Scott Linehan's offense, which, by the way, didn't work out in their favor. So they released him. He was on the practice squad for a little bit, but they released him. I I'm glad to see him really flourish in a different type of offense and flourish at any other team in the NFL. This guy's talented. He did, he's not a, a true running back to where he can do everything and, and, and all like Christian McCaffrey or Zeke, any one of those guys. If you use him right, look at what Tennessee is doing with Derrick Henry. It took a while, but eventually they found the way to find his identity in the offense. And I think if the Lions really, really put all their chips on the table with Bo, him... McKissick and a little bit of like rookie play off their end, that can be a great set of running backs for the Lions that they can use when Matthew Stafford can't throw for 400 yards or he's banged up. So going to that running game, which they established very, very, very early on in this game, um, was good to see for the Detroit Lions and they get the first score of the game up 7 nothing. Now this is where I get a little angry and we've, we go back to what happened last week. I mentioned the special teams being atrocious and god-awful for the Cowboys. Well, after that touchdown by Bo, 
the kickoff return was a complete representation of the dysfunction for the Cowboys special teams. Pollard, who can be switched out with two or three other guys on punts or kickoffs with Randall Cobb, Tavon Austin, uh, and Pollard himself. Pollard catches this ball five yards deep into the end zone. And Olawale, you know we love Olawale on this podcast. He he motions, do not come out, do not do anything, just fair catch it. And what does Pollard do? He starts to move up and he catches himself right at the line, right at the goal line. And at this point, he's thinking, well, I'm already out, so I need to go out. And he just starts to hesitate more and more. And all the while, he's like, well, fuck it. Let's just go out then. And Pollard finds himself in a really tough situation where the Lions are already there to tackle him. And he only finds his way to the 14-yard line. Now, the word of the day, people, is fundamentals. In special teams fundamentals, you either fair catch it or you 100% commit to running it out. If you're five yards deep in the end zone, 99% of the time, the Cowboys will fair catch that because they don't have a special teams unit. They suck at kickoff returns and they don't have really a, a true kickoff returner. Pollard did a very good job of this in Memphis in college. But guess what? This ain't Memphis. This is the Dallas Cowboys where they don't give a shit about special teams. So, if you're Pollard, you take it and you fair catch it. So you can give the team, your, your offense, good field position at the 25. Easy enough, right? So, what does he do? He throws out all of that out the fucking window and says, logic doesn't make sense to me. I love Pollard, but this was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Because here they are, 14-yard line, and that completely killed the drive. This Cowboys offense did not get it going on that second drive after the fumble. It killed the drive for that kickoff return. They only gained one yard that whole drive and went three and out. Why do we assume that special teams does not exist or that does not really matter for the Dallas Cowboys? I'll say it again, and I'll say it time and time again. When you look at teams like the Saints, the Patriots, great teams around the NFL that make it far into the playoffs. Yes, it is offense and defense. What teams forget to do is the impact of what special teams can do. And I'm not just talking about getting a touchdown on a kickoff return or getting a really long gain on a punt return. It's those game of inches, those small little plays of either being at the 14-yard line or being at the 25-yard line. That makes a huge difference for this offense. And coming off that kickoff return, where all the guys are looking at each other and saying, what the fuck did we just do? We just fucked up our offense. How does that help the offense at all? If anything, it should be a neutral type of play. Take, take the fair catch. Take it at the 25. Pollard, I know you're a great, great player. Yet five yards deep into the end zone, your probability of making out to the 25 is very low. And that's if you break tackles. So eliminating that, and I'm going to talk about special teams more and more as we go into this podcast. This was just one of many plays where I'm like, this special teams is negatively affecting this football team. And that's 
exactly the opposite of what you're supposed to do on special teams. The worst you can do is be neutral. Get a fair catch every single time. Get five yards extra if you need to or if you can. But that's all you need to do to not impact the football game. And they did in this football game. So they punt. And the Lions have the ball again. Another slow start for the Dallas Cowboys. Boy, oh boy. Again. Fucking again. I'm going to talk about that meme. But man, like another slow start. Here we are again. The conversation starts again. Of why are we not preparing these guys enough to where they need 15 plus minutes to get it going. That is ridiculous and unacceptable. As always... The Cowboys start to get it going. Uh, one of the first plays that really stood out to me uh, was the play nine minutes to go in the first quarter on a second and three. The Lions are expecting a run by Zeke as the Cowboys are in a shotgun formation. In the previous play, the exact same formation, and it was a handoff in the shotgun formation to Zeke. So good good play, good um, assumption by by the by the Lions to to think they're just going to run it again. They picked up a good um, a chunk of yardage on first down. They're just going to go back to what worked. And and great job by the Cowboys to realize that and, and to learn from last week and learn from the entire season so far is that they they run Pollard in motion. He was lined up on the left side. He ran toward uh to Dak in motion and Dak just does a a quick toss to Pollard. And no one really expects it. There is a a player, Darius Slay, was actually on Pollard, lined up uh, on the outside. And he's the only one matched up against them. They're playing man coverage on this guy. So Pollard's too fast for Slay to, to pick him up fast enough to where he reaches the other side of the field. Pollard picks up 13 yards easily. And this was a play that really started to get the Cowboys offense going. That's always the case for the Cowboys. They need that one play to say, all right, now we're in business. Now let's get it going. Um, and it's a play that I haven't seen much of throughout the year. They've really done more of this motion type of play and and fake handoff, fake type of toss to Tavon Austin. Um, usually because that's kind of how one-dimensional Tavon Austin is in this offense. Credit to them to, to use Pollard in the situation. I am all for using Pollard and Zeke in the same play in some type of way. Um, because anytime you have two dynamic running backs like that, it's a threat no matter what, whether it's a pass, whether it's a run, whether it's a fake, a wildcat, whatever it is. No matter how you use these two guys, you got to use them more and more. In Minnesota, in the Minnesota game last week, Pollard was only a part of one play or he, he was involved in one play. That is ridiculous for a guy that you got, what, in the fourth round last year in the draft? And a such such an amazing talent like him. Yes, he's not Zeke, but that does not discredit what he can do on the football field. In this game, it was kind of a coming out party for Pollard that we haven't seen before. Yes, he's had some good moments. Overall, in a game, though, where have you seen a stretch of him being used effectively? This was the first time that I've seen him used effectively for the Dallas Cowboys, and this was the first play to do it. Now, after that fumble by Zeke in the first drive, along with Pollard, he got himself going because Zeke bounces back tremendously after a fumble or a turnover. It's time and time again you see it. Same thing with Jason Wynn is that he always comes back after making that one mistake. Zeke... What I saw in this drive, once they finally got it going, was that extra effort. And with Zeke, 
Look, there, there's moments where you don't see that extra effort or for him to get those extra two or three yards. He always tries to do that. Except for for moments where I think, man, like, if you just didn't go back to, like, a tunnel vision type of way of running the ball where you're like, I'm going to just go through my line and see how much I can get. I can get that extra yard from there. It's more of the fact that when he does have that one-on-one or where he has two defenders on him, that he just trucks them and he powerhouse through them to get those two or three extra yards on a first or second down. That's what I love about Zeke is, yes, he can hurdle a guy, and you haven't seen it much ever since his rookie season, or the fact that he can just burst out of nowhere to get a touchdown on a screen pass, which happened later on in this game. It's more of just those two or three extra yards or those four or five extra yards when the Cowboys really don't need that. When they... Their offense is just based on that. Like, let's say a first down happens. They they want to get a good three or four yards on that. That way, the second and third downs are manageable. Now, on that first down, when it's not predictable and the defense doesn't expect it, when he gets those seven or eight like yards, man, like that's even better. Like that's more than what what Kellen Moore, what Scott Linehan used to want, and Zeke. So in those plays like that one, after Pollard gets the huge gain. It's what you'd like to see, and in this whole drive for the rest of the game, Zeke really showed up. He used more of his athleticism and more of his individual skills rather than just fitting into the system that favors him so much. So he just put some accountability on himself and said, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna use my abilities to help this football team as much as I can. And that's what I love about Zeke, and that's what's really underrated about him and not shown enough. Remember in that Broncos game where he just gave up on the play? Well, how have we forgotten about that is the fact that plays like this and games like this where, yes, he's not getting 200 yards. It's much more than that. He only had about 46 yards rushing in this game. Really, he was an effective part of this offense, so he really doesn't need to go for 200 yards. You love to see it, but at the end of the day, it gets him the win, which is all that matters. And during this drive later on, Dak is finding that connection with Michael Gallup. Earlier in the drive, Amari Cooper did get banged up. I I think the wind got knocked out of him, so he went to the sideline. Now Michael Gallup's the number one guy. Him and Randall Cobb really have to step up because we're reaching a point in the season where Amari Cooper is getting hurt every single game. It's his ankle, it's his foot, it's his knee, it's his hip, it's something. So it's really up to those guys like Gallup, who has been there for a good amount of time, Randall Cobb, who's been around the league for so long, to step up and say, I'm going to be your number one guy now. I'm no longer just a a different option from Amari Cooper. I can be the number one guy. And when Amari Cooper's back in, hell, we got ourselves a gunslinging offense. And I love to see that. Once we get into the red zone for the Dallas Cowboys, third and goal, the one play call that I would say out of this whole game, and especially in this one series, is where they tried too much. They, they tried so much to get it going that you could have just been simplistic in that sense. They were at the two-yard line. And the Cowboys call a a pass with Dak faking a handoff to Zeke, faking a toss to Pollard or Tavon Austin, whoever was in motion. And by then, you already have eight guys in the box for for the Lions, and they played a cover zero on this play. They played a blitz A-gap, B-gap. They played man coverage across the board. There was no reason to run fakes and play actions on this specific play. You could have just ran it with Zeke, and I would have been like, hey, I mean, you tried. 
or do a play action just straight from a I formation or with a fullback in the backfield with Oluwale and then find Blake Jarwin or Jason Wynn. Blake Jarwin was not in this play, which I think is ridiculous. Put two tight ends on, on one side or on either side. You got Blake Jarwin, Jason Wynn. You have the option either or on the outside or the inside. Blake Jarwin should be much more utilized in this offense. Yes, Jason Wynn is old, reliable. Well, now you got Blake Jarwin, who can not only be that old, reliable in the future, this man has speed. This man has agility that Jason Wynn just doesn't have anymore. The Cowboys settle for a field goal, and they settle with a field goal with the worst kicker in the league, whose name will not be mentioned on this podcast. Why? Because garbage. What did that start with right there, for you, no? Terrell? Garbage. Yeah, he, he is garbage. Seven to three lines in favor on the score. A play that really stood out to me for the Lions side um, on their drive is a third and six where the Cowboys bring a corner blitz on the right side and it's somewhat of a stunt. Michael Bennett finds an opening the the pocket really collapses for Driscoll and Michael Bennett has an open open sack available on Driscoll to really stop this drive and what happens he completely botches it misses the tackle guess what we're going to talk about tackles a little bit more as well missing tackles specifically and Driscoll he ends up throwing an incomplete pass the thing that really stood out to me, though, is the fact that what if Matthew Stafford was on that play? What if he was in? I guarantee you Matthew Stafford finds a way to get a first down at least, if not more, on that play for rolling out after missing the sack and finding an open receiver somewhere down the field. That's huge. I mean, when you're trying to get back into this game, when you're having a slow start and you can't get off the field on a third and six, a third and, and, and large or third and long... It's plays like this that, yes, they're not going to stand out three weeks from now, four weeks from now. On that day, though, can they really impact the, the momentum of the game? Absolutely. And this happened in the fourth quarter, which we'll get to. It's this play in particular where I'm like, yeah, Driscoll's going to be the backup quarterback, so you're limited. He threw that ball confidently, though, and, and to miss that tackle, I expect more out of Michael Bennett. I expected more out of Michael Bennett in this whole game. Really. And... If we're talking about the trade right now and what it's done for the Cowboys, not, it, it's it's what I, I didn't want to happen. It's exactly what I expected in the negative sense is that this can either be the greatest thing that the Cowboys have done all year as far as free agency or in the trade deadline, or this can be like, this guy is negatively affecting our defense. I'm not saying that he's awful. I'm saying the offside penalties. I'm saying the fact that he can't get to the quarterback like Robert Quinn or Demarcus Lawrence can. On the inside, yes, we've gotten better from what has happened in the past with, with all the injuries to Antoine Woods, to Tyron Crawford, to Malik Collins. Yet, has it been a tremendous jump, a, a noticeable jump? Right now, the answer is no for me. The answer is no. The Lions end up punting. Cowboys get it back. And on a third down right before the quarter ends. Guess what, people? The Bubba Bunch formation comes up big. Third down right before the end of the quarter. Randall Cobb finally settles in. He had one drop pass earlier in the game. 
And now, on a great third down conversion, continues that drive for the Dallas Cowboys, which gets us into the second quarter. And right as that second quarter started, a five-wide formation, much like a mesh type of formation, a multi-directional uh, formation for all you Madden fans, Tony Pollard is open on a, a basic just route in the middle of the field, going to the opposite sideline, and he's wide open the entire time. Nobody picks him up. No linebackers are there to help. Easy throw for, for Dak Prescott to Pollard, and Pollard, uh, I mean, just found his way into the end zone. Easy money, great blocks down the field, and he used his speed. Great job to, to notice that, and hey, here we are. The Cowboys are, are back, and they're rolling now. Now they're up 10-7. to on the, on the defensive slide side, Robert Quinn is basically the only highlight up to this point on the defense. That man's jumping off the, the line, like always. And there was one play where the lines were trying to go fast, um, up-tempo, going up to the, the line of scrimmage, and not giving the Cowboys any time to really adjust or, or really um, visualize what type of formation the lines were running. Now, what the Lions forgot to mention or forgot to execute was the fact that the edge rushing from the opposite side, since they have all their receivers and tight ends on the right side, the left side is completely open. And Robert Quinn realizes that and says, these guys, the defense, like the Cowboys defense, were not ready for this. If the Lions executed this perfectly, it could have been a huge gain, a huge play for the Lions. Robert Quinn, though, said, well, fuck that. I got to get off the line very quickly. And he... I mean, he perfectly predicts the, the snap count, jumps off the line, and by the time Driscoll realizes that, he has to throw it away, and third down, the, the Cowboys pick up a, a great play um, that could have gone very wrong very quickly. It wasn't a third down, it was actually a first down, so so on the next few plays, this is where I, I, I wrote it down, I was like, this is the only highlight for the defense so far is Robert Quinn. On the next exact play, uh, there was a run-up the middle for the Lions and their running back had blockers in the middle of the field. But guess what? Through all the criticism, including myself of him, Jalen Smith commits murder. Uh, Jesus Christ. He not only gets away from the blocker of one of the linemen, but he picks up number 41. I, I forget his name. He picks up 41 and just, just shovels him into the ground. And that was, that was hard to watch. I mean, where's the law and order? There it is. There it is. We're going to have to investigate that one. We're going to need that. We need the special special victims unit on that one. And the, the following play. Next man up, Lane Vanderish. Almost intercepts the ball off a great read um, on the right side of the field. And he, ha he had his hands on it. He was so close. It, it was basically he was bumping against one of the receivers. Great play by him to get the, the Lions off the field. And, and that actually made three straight three and outs for the Lions. So overall, what I'm going to take out of this defense right now is they still can't tackle. They had so much trouble tackling Scarborough, the, the fast running backs, the fast receivers. And they really struggled with Driscoll, who probably the best part of his game is running the ball. He's a very fast runner for a quarterback. He, he basically is a wide receiver that was transformed into a quarterback. So they had a hard time tackling a lot of those guys. 
Same thing that happened last week in Minnes- uh, against Minnesota with Dalvin Cook. Another thing is turnovers. There's no turnovers being made by this defense, and it continued today, or la- last night, I should say, um, in-, in that game against the Lions. They didn't get any against the Vikings. They didn't get any with the, the Lions. So it continues with their lack of discipline to turn over the ball and get more possessions for that offense. Um, and the next thing I wrote was the special teams unit is the worst in the NFL. I mean, this is awful. Off a great three and out for the Cowboys defense. Tavon Austin returns that, but nowhere does he find an opening. He had no room, not, not like he did last week, where he had 20 yards of open field before Vikings players were there. This man was already bunched up against Lions defenders. And what does Tavon Austin do? He breaks like a tackle and then he goes to the right side and but doesn't go upfield. He just stays just straight horizontal. Like he stays stays horizontal to where he fair or where he caught the ball and it, it ended up being a negative yardage and then also it was a penalty for holding on that play. Once again, people, fundamentals. What do you do on special teams? not negatively affect their offense. That's exactly what happened. Tavon Austin looked like a rookie out there. This man used to do wonders in West Virginia as a punt returner, as a kickoff returner. What has he done as a punt returner or or kickoff returner? The Cowboys can't even say they have a true punt returner as their number one guy. They switch off from Tavon Austin to Randall Cobb to, to, I, I mean, they used to have it with Cole Beasley and with Ryan Switzer, but they never committed to one guy. Commit, commit, and in practice, what the fuck are we doing as far as special teams go? Are we just saying, let's just line up and uh, let's just run a punt, make sure that our punter can kick and that uh, that our worst kicker in the NFL at field goals is is uh, good enough? Is that all we're doing? Because that seems like, uh, like a, a thing in, in Cowboys country is the fact that they don't practice special teams whatsoever. I mean, the little giants in that movie with the annexation of Puerto Rico can do a better job at special teams than this team can. My peewee football team that I can go up the street and watch in Fort Worth is probably doing better jobs at putt putt returning than the Dallas Cowboys. Seriously. Worst special teams unit in the NFL. Don't at me. If you disagree, give me an example. Because I can't give you another example. They... The, the the Fox commentators actually mentioned a stat that the punt returned uh, yards or yards per punt return, excuse me, by the Lions is actually the worst in the NFL with like 4.3. If we look at that, if we look at the research, I guarantee you the Cowboys are right fucking there. Because I can't tell you a time where they had more than four yards and a punt return. I can't tell you a time that that happened. I still think, I still dream of, of the Ryan Switzer a touchdown that they had, was it against the Lions as well? A couple years ago when Ryan Switzer was still on the team, rest in peace, my boy. Like, that was the last time that they had a true punt return that went positively, in my eyes. I still think about that time. It was summer 69. What a time to be alive. Ryan Switzer, man, I miss you. I miss you so much. As we move on, um, Lions score again. It was actually off a read option based on Bo Scarborough and Jeff Driscoll actually kept it in the red zone and found his way easy into the end zone. 
Now, what I wrote down was exactly the problem that I have with the Cowboys going forward. And this is not going to help them. This is not going to get them anywhere in the playoffs if they have a running back Mike Scarborough to face. Scarborough is a, a perfect running back to go against the Cowboys. A power back, uh, a guy much like Derrick Henry who can break tackles and gain those extra few yards that can lead to big yards down the field is a perfect example of what's wrong with the Cowboys as far as tackling, as far as not defending the run. Look at the past matchups that have not gone the Cowboys' way and have really been a detriment to them winning football games. One of the most recent examples is last year's playoff matchup against the Rams. Remember that Todd Gurley wasn't the one that, that won them that football game or got the running game going. It was C.J. Anderson. And what is C.J. Anderson? He's not a dynamic back. He's no Christian McCaffrey. He's no Zeke. He's no Alvin Kamara. He, he's nothing like that. He's a power back that is beefy. He's girthy and will run you down. And guess what? He had over 200 yards rushing because he just powered down, put his shoulders down, put his head down, and said, I'm going to tackle the shit out of you. I'm going to truck you. And that's exactly what Scarborough did as well early on in this game. Another good example is, is the Saints early on this year. Is Yes, you had Kamara, who didn't have a lot going in that game, but it was Latavius Murray that found positive and, and, a, and a great momentum in that game. Latavius Murray was actually the running game for the Saints in that game. And ultimately, it won him the football game. So, when we look at everything else around the league, who is going to give the Cowboys issues? In the NFC, let's think about Aaron Jones and the Packers. Happened earlier in the year as well. I just thought of that example, and that's the best example probably to determine how the Cowboys cannot stop the run. Is Aaron Jones had what? 5,000 touchdowns in that game and about 10,000 yards. Sounds about accurate. Um, look at the Saints. They're going to play them again if if you look at the playoffs, most likely at some point. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, they have Matt Breda. They have Tevin Coleman, who are not light guys at all, so they can give the Cowboys trouble. Even then, let's look at the AFC. Somehow the Cowboys find their way into the championship, into the Super Bowl. In New England, it's not just one guy that's going to defeat you. It's going to be three or four guys. It's going to be Rex Burkhead. It's going to be Sony Michelle. It's going to be James White. It's going to be those guys. Hell, if if the Ravens make it to the Super Bowl, do you really think that the Cowboys are going to stop the read option with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, who used to be with the Saints and used to be the same way that Latavius Murray is right now? No. So Scarborough did amazing things in the first half because he's the kryptonite for the Dallas Cowboys. And if you can't tackle, that only makes it worse for the Cowboys. That's only worse. So I just wanted to bring that up. Moving on, on a third and nine, the Cowboys have the ball. Um, it was a huge conversion by the Dallas Cowboys down 10 to 14. Dak takes a shot downfield to Michael Gallup. And for the second time in three games, Michael Gallup makes a spectacular play. When we think about what De or what Des Bryant was for the Cowboys, is that, hell, if Tony Romo or Dak Prescott can throw it up in the vicinity of Des Bryant, he'll make a play. When Des Bryant was starting to come down and be very a, a very much anchor to the Cowboys' offense, 
They drafted Michael Gallup for this very reason. Coming out of Colorado State, a 50-50 guy, much like Des Bryant, who's very physical with his hands and can catch those 50-50 balls. Can be physical, but he can make spectacular catches. In his rookie season, injuries altered him. Overall, it was an okay season. The, the connection between him and Dak wasn't all there. Coming into this season, it was going to be better because obviously Dak Prescott's more confident. He'll throw more deep balls. And then Michael Gallup, he's now experienced. He now knows the offense. He knows the scheme. And now with Kellen Moore at the helm, boy, oh boy, wonders can be done as far as Gallup and Dak Prescott. And now it's starting to really flourish. I mean, the the one touchdown against the, the Giants on Monday night, now this play where he just goes up and he bobbles it, but the concentration that, that Michael Gallup has, I mean, amazing play by him on a third down, an aggressive and, and really skeptical play call in Dallas Cowboys' eyes um, where you don't throw it 20 yards down the field. You try to get that, that five yards just to convert it for a first down. Dak Prescott says, fuck it, we're going to throw it down the field. And it they executed it very perfectly. They actually got a penalty on that for pass interference. It didn't matter because Gallup was going to catch that ball. Next play, Zeke with an explosive run that gets him to the one-yard line. I'm going to say it again. Zeke finds those extra yards. And, I mean, he, he scores on the next play on a one-yard rush. Think back to that third-down conversion to the Gallup uh, pass. Is that third-down catch is a difference between three points with the worst kicker in the NFL, he may have not even made that that field goal. And seven points with the conversion and Zeke running it for the touchdown. That, that makes it two touchdowns on two drives for the Cowboys. And hey, I mean, great job by them. They did a, a great job of of converting. They're the best third down conversion team in the NFL with over 50%. Guess what? Because it's Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, man, we're going to talk about them all year long about being the one positive. That $40 million contract, it's going to be worth every cent of it because he deserves it. And guess what? The Cowboys don't stop there. On a two-minute drill, the connection from Randall Cobb to Dak Prescott is all there. It's perfect. Big play down the middle of the field. Gets them into field goal range. They don't stop there. With under a minute to go, finds Randall Cobb again for the touchdown. That makes it 21 points in the second quarter alone for the Dallas Cowboys. They start slow, and yes, they score 21 points in the second quarter. They finally get it going. We'll get more into that as to why that is a bad thing for the Dallas Cowboys. So they're up. They're up big at the half, and they're feeling really good. So I'll just I'll just go through the third and fourth quarter a little faster since we're we're kind of going a little slow here. Um, they they go into the third quarter. Um, the, the thing that really caught my eye was Pam Oliver talking about how speaking to Jason Garrett at the half and what adjustments or what things need to change or what's working for the offense. And Jason Garrett saying if they're gonna commit to the run, like. Like that, like they're they're gonna focus on the run no matter what's going on with the passing game. Then we're gonna pass the ball. You gotta be fucking kidding me, Jason. You so when your job is on the line, now you decide to actually make sense. You actually have common sense up in your little brain there, your little ginger brain. You it, it took you this long to realize that Dak Prescott's having an MVP year and the running game's not working so well in your favor? In Min in the Minnesota game, you didn't think that at all at some point. You didn't 
it didn't it didn't that thought didn't come through your brain where it's like oh if they're gonna commit like that then we're just gonna pass the ball maybe on that that last drive where you ran it on three straight plays and then and then you went for it on fourth down but you only went to Zeke again so Zeke was the main focus of that drive are you fucking kidding me fire Jason Garrett people the fact the fact that it's taking this goddamn long for him to say oh Oh, if they're going to commit to the run, then let's pass it. Huh. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Moving on. Because I'm not going to go into that. On a third and fourth team. Oh, man. It could have been so good. It could have been so good and perfect for the Cowboys defense to get a three and out on this drive to start the third quarter and get your offense back out there to only close out this game. On a third and 14, you're in good hands. You're doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great. Both safeties, which are Xavier Woods and Darian Thompson, give up a deep pass to, who was it? Was it Kenny Galladay? I believe it was Galladay. On a third and 14th, all you need to do was protect the deep ball. And both safeties give it up. Horribly as well. And guess what? This leads to a touchdown drive for the Lions. The safeties got beaten again later on in this drive for the touchdown. So the safeties did not look good on this drive. And shut up. I know what you're going to say already. Well, Jeff Heath, if he was that bullshit, Jeff Heath would have done the same exact thing. So guess what? Jamal Adams, you ready to come to Dallas? Because really, they're in need of, of, of a guy like Jamal Adams. Like They need a guy to create turnovers. And for a scene from Minka Fitzpatrick, from Jamal Adams, especially this past week. These guys getting interceptions, getting pick sixes. That Minka Fitzpatrick trade to the Steelers and the fact that they only gave up a first-round uh, draft pick for that, that's really got to be a pain for the Cowboys and a, and a real punch in the face to deal with that, really. I, Minka Fitzpatrick is doing great things. He's done great things for, for the Steelers all season long since their slump at the beginning of the year. So safeties like this, you need them, and the Cowboys just don't have them. They don't have it. Uh, first play for the Cowboys drive uh, after this touchdown is a great pass to Cobb. Gets him over 100 yards for the day already. The second week in a row where, where you sense that Cobb is finally settling in. You start to, to sense that type of relationship that he had with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay is now what he has in Dallas with Dak Prescott. And I love to see it. Uh, another play that really stood out to me uh, with six minutes to go in the third Third and three, Cowboys line up in the same formation that was very similar to the Pollard touchdown pla uh, pass uh, and that play. Uh, good protection for Dak Prescott, recognizing pressure from the edges. Uh, rolls out to the left, very Romo-like where he did that spin uh, with his shoulders. Very well done by, by Dak Prescott. He uses his legs on a third and three to pick up that first down. And actually, if you watch this game, you know that the commentators were talking about Dak Prescott and how he should use his legs more often than not. Um, because he's a tremendous athlete. Yes, he's not the fastest runner, but on a third and three, that's where you would like to see him run. And that's exactly what, uh, what Dak Prescott did. I almost said Romo there. Um, they mentioned that that Dak said, hey, I just let the game come to me, and if I have to use my legs, I will do it. Perfect. I love it. Uh, on this drive, the Cowboys settle for a field goal with the worst kicker in the NFL once again. Why? Garbage. What did that start with right there, Terrell? Garbage. Oh, there you go. Get him out of there. You see him in there? Oh, right there. 
Exactly. Fourth quarter time, people. I mentioned how how important the fourth quarter was against the Minnesota Vikings last week and how they failed to do that, how they failed to prove themselves as a contender in that quarter. The same type of, of idea happens in this fourth quarter, people. And I'm not happy with this fourth quarter as well. Uh, the Lions, uh, we'll get into it uh, as far as the whole spectrum, but the Lions failed to convert on third uh, third down and they elect to punt. But from how awful the, the special teams has played for the Dallas Cowboys, I completely understand why the Lions decide to go for a fake or even just go for the, the snap count to get them off sides because that's exactly what happened. Michael Bennett, once again, falls off sides. The penalty is unacceptable, purely unacceptable. That gives the Lions a first down, continues that drive for them, and keeps them in that football game. Luckily for the Cowboys, the defense stays strong and forces a punt. It's small little things like that at important times in the game in the fourth quarter that make all the difference in the world. When you look at a team like the Patriots, which they're going to face next week, imagine if this happens. Imagine if this happens against the Patriots where they they get the penalty and they continue to drive. Tom Brady's going to get take full advantage of that. Bill Belichick will take full advantage of that and will make you look silly. Once again, Jason Garrett gets outcoached, and it's a lack of discipline by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, one of the biggest plays of the game, in my eyes, was when the Cowboys got the ball back and Tavon Austin is deep down the field. Dak Prescott takes a shot downfield. Tavon Austin knocks the ball down because it was 100% going to get intercepted by Darius Slay. Hey, you're going to take that chance downfield. I don't think Tavon Austin is ever the right decision to do that because if he's double teamed with safety help, there's no way that Tavon Austin is going to leap up on the uh, in the sky to get that ball. No way. That man is going to either beat his guy on a one-on-one down the field or you go with a trick play right next to each other, like right next to the offense, not deep down the field. If it's Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, or Randall Cobb, take that chance. This was not my favorite play. Tavon Austin, though, to recognize that it was going to get intercepted by Darius Slay, for him to knock it out, I mean, really, when we look at how this game ended and how close it was, that could have been the the game-deciding factor, the game-deciding turnover. Um, So then we go into a Cowboys drive that, that ended with a, a Zeke touchdown, a really great jo- uh, drive by Dak Prescott, recognizing the blitz, on almost every single play, a really gritty type of drive where the Lions were like, we're going to we're gonna rush you, we're going to blitz you, you're going to have to beat us at your very best. And that's exactly what Dak Prescott did. On a third and, and, and manageable, third and long, um, they did a screen pass to Zeke who almost dropped this ball. Yet Dak recognizes the blitz, has really not a lot of time to throw. He actually throws it side-handed um, and Zeke catches it gets the first down, gets blocks downfield, and actually gets the touchdown. It kind of reminded me of that Steelers game a couple years ago, like the rookie season with Zeke and, and Dak on the road, where that screen pass ultimately decided that game. It was really gritty. It was really tough, close. It was that one screen pass that determined it all. And guess what? Zeke ends it with the Dak dance, which I perfected. Hey, you know, uh, my premium Snapchat, is uh is in the link below if uh if you want to see that deck dance in a video if you want me to send you of it at five dollars if you want to see more uh 
I offer packages for 20 plus dollars. Just hit me up. We can negotiate. Uh, also subscribe to my uh, Patreon uh, uh, account. So uh, if you want to see more, if you want to see that deck dance, baby, just hit me up, you know. All right. Uh, moving on. DeMarcus Lawrence goes down on the Lions Shrive. It looked really bad, but turns out he'll be fine. Nothing really comes out. Uh, to say that he's going to be injured or not ready to go for next week's game against the Patriots, which they need him badly at that point. On the next play after that, Anthony Brown goes down, and his tricep injury is actually a severe one. He will have injury, if not he's already had surgery today, and will be out for the rest of the year. The reason I bring this up is I've been critical of Anthony Brown. I think he is the worst corner for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't, I don't wish any ill will to a player on his injuries or the fact that he gets injured. I, I'm not that type of guy. You know, the, the, the thing I'm going to say about this though, is that this is a good thing for the Cowboys. Cause I think that putting in Jordan Lewis in favor of Anthony Brown has done good things, better things for the secondary. Um, so now that you don't have Anthony Brown as much, you can now focus on developing Jordan Lewis as that main corner, along with Chidobe Wujier and Byron Jones, as those three top guys in your secondary. Credit to the Lions for actually recognizing how how bad the secondary is when they start to weaken uh, their secondary with injuries. Um, they took full advantage of the middle of the field with Donovan Lewis as one of those corners uh, playing somewhat of a safety position. He didn't play it well, though. I think he was playing corner on this play uh, in the middle of the field, and he looked lost. I mean, he completely misread the, the receiver and basically had no coverage on him. Um, so it ends up being a touchdown for the Lions on that exact play. Uh I mean, I like Donovan Wilson. I hope that he becomes more of an impact on the secondary. I hope Jordan Lewis becomes more of an impact on the secondary. The fact that Wilson is, that was his first snap of the season. He was great in the preseason, but they've never used him at all in the regular season since, you know, Chef Heath with uh, Xavier Woods, uh, Donovan, Darian Thompson, and Anthony Brown, all of those guys being in front of him. Well, now you don't really have a choice. So the fact that you haven't prepared him enough to where he's out there and he's immediately on one of the Lions' top guys is ridiculous. It it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be a thing. So right now, the secondary is in trouble. This week, especially against the Patriots' offense, Nikhil Harris with Julian Edelman. There is no time for error. There is no room for error against guys like that. So you got to prepare them as much as possible. Chris Richard, you have a lot on your plate right now as a play caller and the secondary coach. You got to prepare these guys much better than what you did in this game because overall, um, the 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 defense gave up 27 points and they gave up a good amount of big plays down the field, and that's all in the secondary. Yes, you can't tackle up front. And now you can't cover the big plays down the field. Where are you right now? Where are you right now as, as a football team? Because this defense is not hot boys right now. This team, this off or this defense, is just not the same for what it was a year ago at this time. It, it really isn't. Um, so we reached the end point of the game to where I really think the Lions played better 
overall. Lyle Collins went out in this game as well, so the offense was a little lackluster toward the very end. Uh, they did convert after the second minute, uh, or the two-minute warning, I should say. Uh, Lyle Collins should be ready to go for next week's game against the Patriots. He did get a re-aggravation of the knee injury. Uh, it looked bad, but apparently he should be good. He was out for the rest of the game. Um, but the Lions really played better. I, I think Driscoll played really well down the stretch. There were some penalties that should have gone the Lions' way. They really shot themselves in the foot as far as getting penalties on their end themselves. They had a lot of penalties in this game. I haven't really looked up at how many they had. Um, but, it, I mean, it was probably close to 9 or 10. Um, so, you kind of see, like, kind of the similar situation that the Lions are compared to the Cowboys. Like, these teams are much better than what the record shows. It's They shoot themselves in the foot. You know, a few plays here and there can go their way, and they can win more football games. Over at the end of the day, they just shoot themselves in the foot, and they really beat themselves. So, Lions really won the fourth quarter of this game. And on the last drive, where they shouldn't have gotten a pass interference or a holding call on Byron Jones, they didn't call it, and they actually got a penalty themselves uh, with 12 men on the field in their formation. I think the, the Lions would have come back. They would have needed a two-point conversion, which they didn't get earlier in the fourth quarter. If they would have gotten that, I think they go into overtime with momentum in their favor, and they would have won that football game. So the Cowboys win this football game. Dak Prescott looks amazing as always. Randall Cobb looked great. Michael Gallup looked great. Even with Amari Cooper kind of sideline a little bit, wasn't really prominent like he was last week. The wide receivers look phenomenal. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done on the defensive side. This was a losable football game for the, the Dallas Cowboys, especially in that fourth quarter. When we look at this now, and I, I look at my notes, the one thing I wrote down was, this will be a game on the Cowboys schedule when we look back at this season, you know, once it's all over, whether they make it to the Super Bowl or not, whatever, it doesn't matter. We look, we're going to look at this game, we're going to be like, eh, it was a win. That, that's it. That's, that's all it was. I'm still waiting for that one dominant win. I'm still waiting for that major statement the Cowboys to make. And this could have been it, really. I mean, if Matthew Stafford would have been in this game and they would have won it in this way, I would have been like, that makes sense. You know, Matthew Stafford plays well against the Cowboys, especially on the road. It, it was in Detroit this time. If, if Matthew Stafford was in there and, and the Lions win it in overtime, I would have said, you can't be shocked by that. You really can't. Even if Jeff uh, Driscoll would have won the football game for the Lions in this game in overtime, or they would have come back, I would have been like, yeah, because the defense played terribly. They gave up 30-plus points at that point, um, and it was all Dak. You know, that's all Dak could do, and it wasn't enough because they get outcoached. They get they get outpowered at at physical if that's even a word on defense if they can't make tackles then you don't deserve to win the game if you can't create turn turnovers then you don't deserve to win the game at this point i i don't like being that that guy or that fan that says hey we got to look at patriots don't overlook this game but we got the patriots coming up so that's a big game to look forward to and you never want to overlook a team 
That's always the case. You know, it happened earlier in the year with the Miami Dolphins or the Redskins where you got the Packers and Saints coming up. So it kind of affects how you're going to play against the Dolphins or or, uh, Redskins. And it kind of did for the Cowboys. Slow starts and they really had to get going and say, oh, no, we got to focus on this game first. This game, though, against the Lions, at the end of it, yes, it's a win. It's 35 points for the Cowboys offense and Dak looks great in it. At the end of the day, it's a win. Although, does it help or does it change my mind about how the Patriots are going to dominate this Cowboys team next week? No, absolutely not. The Patriots are going to run all over the Cowboys next week. This is a preview to the the preview that we're going to do later on in the week. This changes my mind not one bit about how the Cowboys offense is going to look good. Dak Prescott is going to have to do everything. For this offense. They're going to stop the run. They're going to make Dak win them the football game. However. The, the defense is not going to be able to, to. To tackle. They're not going to be able to create turnovers. Because that's not what the Patriots do. So unless they smother Tom Brady. With seven guys in the box. Every single time. And they blitz every single time. That's the only way that I see this defense flourishing. Against the Patriots. At the end of the day though. They're going to get outcoached by Bill Belichick. They're going to get outcoached by the offensive coordinator, by the defensive coordinator. They're going to get outcoached every single part of this game, especially special special teams. I guarantee you, people, I am putting money on the line here. Putting money on the line that a special teams play will be a big part of why the Patriots will win next week against the Cowboys. That's it. Yes, this is a review, and this is a win for the Cowboys. It keeps them up first place in the NFC East. Their game against the Patriots is an easy loss. Put that already up on the scoreboard. I'm not excited. Like I said in the last podcast, hey, Irvin, Eddie, if you want to give me a Patriots jersey or shirt, I'll put it on. Because I want to see this Cowboys team lose by 50. I want to see Jason Garrett out the fucking door. Anything that it takes to do that, I'm going to do it. That's going to do it, people. Uh, We went really in-depth into that game, more than we've done in a lot of these games over the last like month or so. Um, but like I mentioned, um, we're going to come back later on this week. We're going to do a list. We're going to do um, some talk about the MVP talk. Uh, and then we're going to do a preview later on in the week for the uh, Patriots game, which should be short and sweet. Thank you for listening to the bubble at sports podcast. Once again, uh, we're still waiting the sixth, for the sixth subscriber of the podcast we're on five right now you can donate and subscribe for a dollar five dollars or ten dollars a month you'll get a shout out on twitter you get a shout out on here please be the next person to do that i would deeply appreciate it uh and thank you for listening once more Uh, we're getting a lot of support on the podcast i mean we're doing at least 10 listens uh an episode right now which is amazing I i love to see it so thank you again we'll see you next time on the next episode of the bubble at sports podcast